Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, June 26th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed Spin Statistician. As always, I am humbled and honored to have as my co-host, El Rey de Fantasia, FSWA Hall of Famer, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing today, man? Uh, buenos dias. Uh, <laughs> yeah, muy amable. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, uh, back to third place in my baseball league, but got to focus the attention on football now. The exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package is here on Roto mm-hmm. Experts, getting ready to launch my initial set of rankings today. Absolutely. That sounds good. You know, my team, the Trevor Rundig story, fell down into second place. But I am confident because I read the stuff on rotoexperts.com and dailyroto.com that I'm going to be able to bounce right back. Scott, do you also know it is the last day of school in public schools here in New York City, which means it's kind of the first day of summer. These kids are going to be all over the buses and the trains. And that gets me, as soon as I see summer, I start thinking about football myself. And you're absolutely right. The Exclusive Edge package has in fact launch we're going to be talking about this a little bit more today we talked about kind of some of these dynasty ranks we're going to you know add on to that you were in a kind of rookie draft so we'll see what some people did when faced with the decisions of picking between some of these rookies but Scott I want to start it off with the news up top you heard Julian Edelman had his appeal of his uh four game PED suspension today two things that I think are interesting about this one let's if we assume that uh you know, he does, in fact, have the four games. Who is the main beneficiary of this? You know, Scott, I mean, I remember when Mark Ingram, to catch fans up, if they've been kind of like not paying attention to football and they're starting to, you know, come under the baseball rock that they were in. We talked about this with Mark Ingram when he got suspended and how everyone thought, oh, this just means Alvin Kamara is going to soak it all up. And you were like, no, not necessarily. They don't want to subject him to all that punishment. And then you were absolutely right, Scott. The New Orleans Saints turned around and signed Terrence West 
to be able to kind of be that fill-in for that role in the first four games. As we look at Edelman and the Patriots, who stands to benefit here? I mean, they got Chris Hogan, they got Malcolm Mitchell, they got Jordan Matthews. Who do you think maybe stands to benefit the most if, in fact, Julian Edelman is out for the first four games for the New England Patriots? You look at Hogan, he got hurt. He was playing really well for half the season before he went down. 34 catches, 439 yards, uh, almost 13 yards a catch and five touchdowns. So I think Hogan becomes a clear number one wide receiver. And he's he's right around top 25 for me in my ranks on rotoexperts.com. I I think, uh, you know, you saw a stretch last year where he scored touchdowns in four consecutive games. You know, this guy was good for about five catches, maybe 70 yards every week. So you're looking at a guy who could be 12 to 18 PPR points every week. So I think he's going to be involved no matter what. And some of the bigger games can come when Edelman's out. But then it becomes Jordan Matthews or or Malcolm Mitchell. And Matthews just – he disappeared because of all the quarterback problems last year in Buffalo and all the offensive problems. Playing in the slot with New England and Tom Brady is a lot different than playing in the slot in Buffalo with Nathan Peterman and Tyrod Taylor throwing the ball. You know, I like Taylor okay, but Matthews really didn't take the step forward. Now he's with a better team, and he could be totally resurrected. Malcolm Mitchell has to stay healthy, so I think – you really can't tell until you watch or you read what happens in the preseason. I think if Brady gets any run in the preseason, I'm going to be looking to see whether he prefers Matthews or Mitchell because I think those guys could be good DFS plays as well early in the season. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by Jordan Matthews. Um, I got to tell you the truth. In this, like you mentioned, this change of scenery, I think he's gotten the short straw a lot of times so far in his career. You mentioned the kind of talent that he had to work with up there in Buffalo and how much different it will be. I mean, Scott, I'm reminded when he was coming out of college, people were high on Jordan Matthews. Am I correct? I think this guy is actually Jerry Rice's nephew. Um, I was hearing that coming out of college, the way he studied, he analyzed game film of all the cornerbacks he was going to be facing in the senior bowl when he was coming out of college just talking about that film study I think I like what you're saying here I think Jordan Matthews has a chance to resurrect himself and get some value for fantasy players this year keep an eye out on that there will be some opportunity if in fact Edelman does miss four games the other thing I'm talking about a guy you're talking about a guy who Went 900 yards, nearly 900 yards in his rookie season, and nearly 1,000 in the second. Scored 16 touchdowns in each of the next two seasons and then started to fall off. You know, it's not too late for this guy to get resurrected. He's... He's still a young player, so mm-hmm. he's he's very, very interesting, and he's, he's very intriguing to me. I, I think a good late-round pick, uh, you know, maybe can make a dent even, uh, you know, even in these, these four games. I don't know what kind of role he's going to play when Edelman gets back, but, uh, you know, right, right now is he's a guy that you certainly got to look at for the first four games, and you have to remember that Edelman is getting older and he's had trouble staying healthy, too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you, Scott. And forget about that. Like, think about this. You mentioned Chris Hogan had injury concerns last year. Malcolm Mitchell has injury concerns. We know Rob Gronkowski deals with injuries, you know, from time to time. So to have the kid who is still in his mid-20s with something to prove, moving to now having TB12 as his quarterback, you you talked about it also, Scott. If he's going to occupy the slot with those kind of two-way goes, Brady is going to hit him all day long. I think this 
guy is someone you can look for and kind of target in the later rounds of your draft that has some kind of upside. Scott, the other part I was going to ask. Before you I, go on, just before you go on with, with Brady, you also have to look at the quarterback. And the best quarterbacks in the game make their receivers better. Sure. The, you know, some, of the, some quarterbacks like Jared Goff need a, a crew around them, a certain crew around them in order to ascend. But some guys can take, make, the, make the receivers better, especially the superstars. Look, Jared Goff is never going to be a superstar. You surround him with the right talent. He's going to produce pretty good numbers, and he's going to fit well. You know, Brady, Rodgers, you know, those guys, sure. are, those, those, those guys are different. Even Phillip Rivers. You know, you look at guys like that and you know, Roethlisberger, and they sure. make the players around them better. Yeah, absolutely. There are some truly elite quarterbacks that they are kind of driving the train, and there's others that, you know, you have to put the pieces around them in order for them to flourish and do well. You know, I don't want to say people are quote-unquote scheme or system players. That, I think, is kind of a notch below, but there are some players out there, there some quarterbacks out there that are, you know, good, but, you know, you take them off that team and you put them all of a sudden and have them dealing with what, like, the Cleveland Browns has had for the last couple of years, and they wouldn't you know overperform as that, much I th- either. I think that's what we're going to see with Jimmy Garoppolo this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing a lot of studying on the 49ers yesterday, and I think the the misconception about right. the Niners is is that they finished so well down the stretch that the momentum is going to carry early into this season. I've seen that before. One thing does not carry over into another. Defensive coordinators, etc., are going to be studying film, especially mm-hmm. in the division, on Garoppolo all season. It's yep. different when you're the starter from game one and there's pressure on you from game one. The 49ers were 1-10. There was no pressure on them. Garoppolo really didn't have a track record. Not only is he really not proven in any critical situations, but the receiving crew is just okay. He doesn't have an all-pro there. No, absolutely. You know, he's got he's got decent guys. Listen, Goodwin performed well in limited duty with Jimmy G. He will yes. have Pierre Garcon coming back. Some people are high on Kittle. They got McKinnon in order to play that quote-unquote Devontae Freeman role. But if you want to go on over to mybookie.ag, I'll tell you right now, at the end of the football season, Jimmy Garoppolo will not still be undefeated as an NFL starter. The, the, the shine will come off the rose a little bit. You mentioned that with Jimmy Garoppolo, Scott. I got to tell you the truth. I will not have many shares of Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson either for a similar reason. You know, like, do I think he could be a very special talent? Yes, he could be. But the sample size just was not big enough. He was like Haley's Comet for about four weeks and everybody tells me, I hear Jake Seeley always here on Roto Experts in the Morning talking about how the second year is, you know, very tough because the league has that tape on you. They make the adjustments to you and the question is, are you skilled enough to make the adjustments back and, you know, kind of really learn the league after they know their tendencies, know what you do well, and know maybe what you don't do well. So it's very interesting to see with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if I agree with that that on on Watson. That's Uh, fine. You know, watching Watson, it was bumpy for like a week and a half, roughly. Mm And then he just he just exploded. He, but it was three games, he, Scott. He, that he exploded. I know I know it was three games, but you know Houston was still in the race, mm-hmm. and just like he looked like a transcendent talent. It's just you could tell these were regular scenes, season games that counted, and he looked like a transcendent talent against some quality opponents too. Uh, yeah. Look, it was three games. 
Yeah, it's. I I know you said that, and I confirmed that. But look, you know, it was three games of very impressive regular season play against some quality opponents. And while we haven't seen him do it bumper to bumper, I think it was more impressive than Garoppolo. I just think I just think the play out of him was so special that you know there's certain things that you can't teach. That I'm fine with, you know. Look, I'm not going to be the guy to take Watson in the third round, okay? Yes. Because I don't jump on quarterbacks that early. There but I go. think the guy's going to have a very good year. Uh, just you know, watching him, even coming out of college, just like the talent is just incredible. It's. I think he's going to be one of those guys who can make the players around him better. I don't know if Garoppolo is quite as talented as Watson. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> bottom line is, to your point, though, Scott, I will not be having many shares of him on my squad either. either because I will be waiting for quarterback. I am not going to make that investment in the rounds that you talk about. You know, I'm looking at some of these quarterbacks. Let's say you're like, listen, if you're in a 12-team league, <clears throat> I'm telling you right now, I will be the 11th or 12th guy to get a quarterback when I'm seeing that I can still wind up with, you know, Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers, uh, Patty Mahomes, Matt Ryan. You know, I, I can still wind up with these guys and literally wait and be like the last person to get a quarterback and still wind up with those guys I'll take that and wind up and still getting my you know still getting yeah. running backs and wide receivers in the fourth and fifth round I yeah. like to I like to stay within like the six to ten range you know yeah I mean you gotta at, let it come yeah. to you on some level you gotta too, let, right? there's a certain it, point where it cuts I really don't want to uh, necessarily wait anymore for a quarterback. Usually, I start thinking quarterback in the sixth round because in like most leagues that I play in, it'll be like three wide receivers and two running backs sure. to start. And then I'll start thinking about the quarterback in the sixth right. round because I really want to fill out my core starting lineup. So here's an early look at my ranks that's coming out later today. Rodgers, Brady's, Wentz, Wilson, Watson, Newton, Cousins, Rivers. I would, I would probably, and then Roethlisberger and Stafford, I would probably Is that 11 and 12? Who's 11 and 12, Scott? Garoppolo and Breeze. <clears throat> Breeze? You're telling yeah. me I can wait, be the last person in my league to draft a quarterback and have Drew Breeze fall to me? Sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that you will be. I'm not saying no, that's the way the draft is going to go. Of course, but I'm saying but, if, I'm, if I'm in somebody's my head, going Scott, to, Somebody's going to take Drew Breeze. Of course. Ahead, ahead of you at number 12 because they'll look at the reputation more than the way right. the Saints are trending to a but more run-heavy team. But that's not my point, team. Scott. But that's not my point. My point is how comfortable I am completely waiting because I can let someone take Breeze. Let someone take Watson. I'll still have my choice of like, you know, Stafford, Rivered, Wentz, Breeze, and name two other quarterbacks that I'd be completely happy and fine with that are probably like, you know, 13 or 14 in your ranks, you know? Yeah, you'd like, probably take Goff at number 14. Whatever. There's uh, a Matt Ryan. There's a Big Ben. You know, like, I mean, I, w- I, would, not be com- I would not be comfortable with Ryan But but, but Scott, the point remains you're, you're you're parsing hairs here scott my global that's point, what i do that's fine. what that's, i do that's fine but the global point remains it is so easy to wait on quarterback yes. let the draft come to you if you are like out of these like five quarterbacks or six quarterbacks that we're naming you know breeze roethlisberger stafford rivers wentz mahomes whoever they are and you might not you may like some of them better than others right and that's fine and in the draft someone might take watson or cam ahead of breeze or whatever you if you wait you will be 
be probably left with your choice of three of them, and you'll be just fine. And then when you look at that team that went ahead and drafted, oh, I don't know, say Russell Wilson, because I know how much you love him, Scott. He's going to be one of the few the top quarterbacks drafted, right? Yeah. When you take probably a look top at three, yeah, sure. But what I'm saying is, when all is said and done, and you take a look at Team X who drafted Russell Wilson, right? And then you look at who their you know their third flex running back or their third wide receiver is, and you look at my team who has you know legit third wide receiver flex running back and one of these say Matthew Stafford, right? I'm saying that the difference between my third running back is going to be greater than the difference between your quarterback and the quarterback that I wind up with, which is why I wait on quarterback. You know what? It's it's funny because uh, when in the GST league last year, I can't even remember who my I, I, my quarterback was Kirk Cousins. You know, and mm-hmm. I kind of streamed him, and you know, in my dynasty league where I scored the most points, I was streaming Stafford and yeah. Case Keenum. And in 2005, when I went undefeated. I had Eli Manning and David Garrard. So I don't need go. to have that top quarterback necessarily to win, to your point. It's like, but if I'm down to 15 or 16 in my ranks and I have to go Mahomes or, or, uh, or Mariota, I might be a little uncomfortable. But, you know, quarterback is very, very deep. Yeah, absolutely. Let the draft come to you. When you're sitting in round eight, see how many of those quarterbacks are left in this kind of group that we're talking about. And if you feel comfortable that you with that there's three of them out there that you still like, hey, you may be able to wait another round. Let's keep it moving, though, Scott. Another piece of buzz that we heard top of the show, there was news around Royce Freeman, okay, the Denver Broncos rookie running back. They're saying that, listen, there's a chance he could, in fact, win the job. I know we were talking about some rookies a little bit yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on something, Scott, because when I talk to Jake about this, we, we, we already have some jokes. One, that in this time of the year, everybody is in the best shape of their life. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's rehab is going amazing. Except luck, yeah. You know, yeah, sure, right. Everybody's rehab is kind of going amazing. You know, that sort of thing. You get all these great stories. And with the rookies, you hear things like, oh, they could win the job. They look really good. Other veteran players saying how excited they are. We see it with Royce Freeman. We heard about it with Saquon Barkley. We heard about it with Lamar Jackson and the rest of the quarterbacks. We even, you know, we heard about how great some of these wide receivers look in minicamp. Jake says that there's always this kind of um, cycle that always happens, you know, which is like, you know, we hear about the buzz of this rookie. Then we hear about how the incumbent is still performing well, but that he believes that over time, the talent will win out. Okay, and that some of these guys, whether it is remember, we talked yesterday about Penny. Um, but you were saying Carson can kind of hold them off. We talk about this with Royce Freeman, with Ronald Jones, and with others. Um, do you agree kind of that, you know, this is – you can't really believe anything you hear at this time. Everyone's in the best shape of their lives. And that ultimately, yes, the rookies do win out because the current regime, the coach and the GM, went ahead and invested capital in that person, that that is, quote-unquote, their guy, and they would want to kind of sink or swim with their guys, and eventually the talent will win out? I think you get into some danger there if you use that maybe as a – Sort of like a sweeping. Oh, it's not a blanket there. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but and you have to look at every. Uh, you have to look at uh, at every situation as unique. And I'll provide a few examples here. But sure. you know, Jake is right in terms of like the way things that they're reported. 
that yeah. you know this kind of narrative we hear in the off and, season, you know? and everybody gets all these beat reporters seem to get into a rhythm necessarily. Right. But I remember when uh, when Alfred Morris came out of nowhere uh, to to basically uh, seize the starting job for the Washington in Redskins Washington, yeah. in 2012, and nobody expected him to do it because they didn't feel that he was as talented as the competition necessarily. And I remember having all these arguments on Twitter. You know, this guy's going to win out because right. uh, you know they would. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember who was who was the other running back there. He was like a pass. Oh, it was Roy Hallou. Everybody oh, yeah. was saying Roy Hello. Hallou was. That Roy Hallou was more talented and Morris was going to lose the job. Hallou was more talented, but Morris was the more determined, hardworking player. Sure. And he ended up with he ended up being the Redskins starter for a while. So talent doesn't always win out. And you know, look at where you talk about where people drafted. You know, I made the mistake of a few years ago saying that Monty Ball was going to be yeah, worth a so late first I. round pick. You know, I, I made I made too. that I made that call and ended up you know we, we aren't always right I I was wrong about that one necessarily so it's not and Monty Ball had a lot of talent Amir Abdullah's had a lot of talent he hasn't right. panned out so these guys have to earn it you know it's got to be a, it was like I was talking about yesterday with the Seahawks Seahawks spent a first round pick for the first time on a running back to I can't even remember the last time they did that I remember in '83 right. when they did that with Kurt Warner. And the fact that they invested high capital, you know, makes a lot of people think, how could this guy not start week one? If Chris Carson plays really well, it could be a timeshare. Rashard Penny's not going to come off the field, but they're not going to rush him into three-down work if they feel like he's not ready. Like I've said with Pete Carroll, you have to earn it. With some other coaches, you have to earn it. You know, Penny's got to prove that he can do certain things at the pro level. You know, right now I don't have him ranked as a top 15 running back. He's got to earn it. So, you know, you can't just base it on talent, especially right. with the rookies. So how do you think it's going to shake out in this specific situation in Denver? Royce Freeman uh, out there versus kind of Devontae Booker. And here's the thing I think about. Last year, I felt like they wanted Devontae Booker to be the guy a lot. You know, C.J. Anderson was there. But Devontae Booker, a lot of people, there was buzz like, oh, he might ascend to be the guy. And he never fully was capable of kind of grabbing that mantle by the throat, you know. So I wonder if the Broncos are not as high on a guy like Booker as maybe some of these other organizations are on their incumbent. I actually do agree. I do believe Royce Freeman could be this lead back there for the Broncos as the, before the calendar turns to say, you know, Halloween, let's say. In this specific situation, what do you think about Freeman vis-a-vis Devontae Booker? What's important to remember along the lines I was just talking about, you mentioned opportunity. Yep. And fantasy basketball usually is about opportunity, and a guy who usually steps in produces. Baseball and football are different. Opportunity does not lead to production many times in baseball, but it's not – it's – it's not as pronounced as it is in football. Opportunity doesn't always lead to production in football, not quite as widely as baseball because it's so much of a tougher game in terms of hitting and pitching from that perspective. My point is, and I'm getting long-winded here just because I'm so excited to talk about talking about football, is opportunity 
is always talked about in fantasy football. But the important thing, and anybody who's been listening to me for 20-plus years doing this knows I always say opportunity does not always lead to production. You can't assume that. We, you know, we saw it with guys like I mentioned. I think Bishop Senke a few years ago was a, was a great uh, example of that. But now Freeman has the opportunity because Booker did, and he didn't run with it. So, look, Booker will have another chance. And Freeman's got a golden opportunity because he doesn't have the scar of a disappointing season like Devontae Booker does. But in the end, this is still going to be a training camp battle, and whoever plays better in the preseason is going to win out. Fair enough. Who do you think that is going to be? You make projections all the time, Scott. In this case, who ultimately do you think it leads the Denver Broncos running backs in terms of fantasy points in 2018? I think it's Royce Freeman. You know, the reason... Why they're very excited about him in Denver is he hits the hole with a lot yep. of authority. You know, he's boom and then gone. So uh, I think he's maybe more of a special running back than Devontae Booker. But look, you know, like I said, with Halu and Morris, if, uh, you know, that's transitioning to the pros, you can't just talk about talent. You know, you got to talk about intangibles because, mm-hmm. you know, adjusting to the NFL, even for a running back, that's, you know, it's. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, you know, he's got to prove he's ready mentally to pick up that playbook, et cetera. You know, otherwise, you know, you just you're not going to get the you're not going to get the run if, you know, you're not hitting the fundamentals. You know, it's, yeah. that's, that's why that's why Kristen Michael is is such an example. Mm-hmm. There was so much buzz about him coming out of college and then so much renewed buzz when he went to Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy uh, the, the guy just couldn't pick up the fundamentals and the finer points of the game as supremely talented as he was. Yeah, we got to hope that none of these guys turn into a Christian Mike. And when you talk about some of the other skills they have to learn, obviously pass protection is one that uh, sometimes teams are worried about in the rookie season because you don't want to go ahead and get your quarterback killed. Sometimes pass pro is something that these rookie running backs have to consider. Last thing, real, real quick, Scott, before we go to our first break here, best shape of his life. Seems like Jameson Crowder is talking about that he's healthy. Um, Chris Thompson saying that Jameson Crowder is beating him in 40 sprints at practice. Jameson Crowder will now have Alex Smith as his quarterback who likes the, you know, the intermediate route. Um, do you think Jameson Crowder could be a wide receiver three in PPR formats this year? Well, Smith showed last year he can throw deep, but sure. uh, I like Crowder for a big bounce back season. I got him yep. inside healthy. my top 30. He's healthy. Uh, you know, he can score some touchdowns you know, down the seam and over the middle. I, I, yep. I think Alex Smith and him are going to have a really nice relationship. Uh, I, I might be com- comfortable with Jameson Crowder as my wide receiver three again this year. Fair enough. Uh, I will be having him as my wide receiver three in some dynasty leagues, and I am happy to do so. When we come back, Scotty, you know, you did spend a couple of minutes with members of the Los Angeles Dodgers over the weekend. We have uh, one of those interviews. We'll give you a little bit of an update on anybody getting banged up and returning, some headlines from baseball. But then we dive right back into this rookie draft that Scott Engel had. We talked about some of the rookies he liked over others yesterday. We'll look if he put his money where his mouth was in this rookie draft we are off and running the exclusive edge football package is live it is roto experts in the morning right here on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network the king and the spitting statistician come on right back are you new to daily fantasy are you a veteran 
Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock daily fantasy sports. Fantasy. Freestyle. You know who I do like there, though? Free agent acquisition, Dion Lewis. Okay? I like Dion Lewis, especially in PPR formats. In PPR formats, he is an RB2 for you, okay? He is one of the top 20 running backs in PPR formats. You see what they do. They went out and got him because they're moving away from this exotic smash mouth. And I think especially in PPR formats, he is going to be a beast for you. Mariota's new little security blanket. Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. After I left baseball, I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. So I got back into the game with Nugenics. I'm feeling stronger with a lot more energy and drive. You want to get back into shape? Get Nugenics. All you have to do is send one simple text. Frank's right. Just text YOUTH to 321321 to get a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics samples are not available in stores. To get your complimentary bottle, text YOUTH to 321321. That's Y-O-U-T-H to 321321. Hi, I'm Keith Urban. I believe every child is entitled to a complete and inspiring education. Music education programs in our schools help kids learn, socialize, gain confidence, and stay in school. They need your help to survive. Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation gives school music programs the instruments they need to make this opportunity available to every student who wants to play. With your help, we can keep music alive in our schools and give all kids the education they deserve. Visit mhopus.org now to find out how you can help. It's Carton and Friends! I guarantee you I win the pennant my very first year as manager. I said, all the guys, you're giving me one inning. All I want, yeah. three outs, one inning, and then you sit down, and then the next man comes in. Yeah. You are going to pitch six out of every seven days. You messing up people's money when you do that. No, I'm not. You said they want to go out there and throw one inning. They working on the next contract. Trade me. Get me out of here. No. This man is crazy. No. Everyone want to be a part of it. Weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dean Martinez and the King Scott Angle. We keep it so fresh and so clean Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. We help you win your leagues and win that cash. Hey, Scotty, um, you know, for those people still playing fantasy baseball out there, as we get to the second half, if you're still contending like the King Scott Angle is, like the spitting statistician is, one of the things you do, in fact, need to know are some of the kind of things, the injuries, right, Scott? Who got banged up? Who might be on their way back? We know Gary Sanchez is probably going to hit the DL. Looks like Caleb Smith has a lat issue, which may uh, end his season, and he was a nice little surprise, surprising source of strikeouts. I hear Robbie Ray may be coming back from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, so he'll he'll pitch the Marlins tomorrow. Uh, also, you know, we got some some other injuries there. It looks like 
Gary Sanchez is going to be out three to four weeks, so mm. hopefully you picked up Austin, Austin Romine. Romine. Uh, Brandon Nimmo is day-to-day with a finger injury. Mm. Uh, Steven Sosa is going to begin a rehab assignment, and A.J. Pollock is going to begin baseball activities. Uh, Michael Walker will not uh, return before the All-Star break. Clay Buckholes on the DL with a strained oblique, and Chris Bryant with a shoulder injury might actually be headed to the DL. Uh, Carlos Carrasco could be back next week, and David Wright took batting practice at City <laughs> Field. Got to get and that actually David worked, Wright worked, one in there. Worked sure. out in the field, so it was nice to see. That's good to see. Yeah. That is good to see. A.J. Pollock potentially coming back for the Diamondbacks could be interesting as well. Did you also note, uh, Scotty, that when you mentioned Michael Waka, I did not use my Fozzie the Bear, uh, you know, kind of uh, interruption there. Yeah, it's funny because you were told to be you – know, I was told you hosting with me because, you know, yep. you want to bring a younger element, you know, yeah. into the show, and you're quote, quoting Fozzie Bear. Not well, me. listen, listen, I got generations for days, baby. We can go, we can go old, there we can you go. go young. I, t- I talk with JP the Night Owl over here about millennial stuff as well. Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this, Scott. Juju Smith-Schuster got a six-figure endorsement deal with a gaming company to, like, endorse, like, gaming headphones and joysticks and stuff. That's some real millennial stuff. Am I bringing the young culture for you right there, Scotty? Um, also, though, Scott, with baseball, you um, – you do interviews, right, because you're out there at City Field, and you spent some time with some of the Dodgers. We talked to uh, Ross Stripling yesterday, and it sounds like you also spent some, a couple of minutes with Turner Ward, who is the hitting coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers, talking about some of the different approaches. I know, like, for example, Bellinger is huge on that uppercut swing, talking a little bit about Yasiel Puig as well. What do we hear from Turner Ward? Yeah, we're also going to hear about uh, the reasons for the uh, very interesting and unexpected breakout of Max Muncy. Okay, sounds good. Q Scotty sounded like Mr. Ed. Let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth. This is Scott Angle with Dodgers hitting coach Turner Ward. Scott Angle with Fantasy Sports Network here with Dodgers hitting coach Turner Ward. Uh, Turner, it's been kind of a struggle for Cody Bellinger, but looking over the advanced stats, at least that's what people like me do. It doesn't seem like he's doing anything different approach-wise. What do you think it's going to take for Cody to be the kind of the guy that we saw last year? No, I think it's like any young hitter. I mean, that that second season, uh, teams seem to get a little bit more... uh, um, analytics and they kind of find out kind of where some of those holes are and to me being in the big leagues is all about shrinking your holes that's all you're trying to do you're trying to maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses and so you know teams have identified some of those things and we just try to continue to kind of um, make that swing a little bit more efficient uh, calming some things down and kind of trying to stay more in his zone more. Max Muncy has been a total revelation for you guys. Uh, it looks like he's also changed his approach from what he was earlier in his career when he was more upright. You know, is is that one of the reasons? What do you think of some of the reasons are for Max's breakout this year? Well, I'm sure probably kind of experience has kind of played a part uh, uh, a part of it because uh, you hopefully that you know as guys grow and get into the league, they they make the adjustments. You know, he realized and he's talked about the adjustments he's made in the past. You know, and, and some of those sometimes those things kind of work out for the better. And for me, it's just uh, his calmness at the plate, um, his barrel control. And to me, that's it. He lets the pitcher do all the work, and he's just getting the barrel to the place to the spot. 
Matt Kemp was at a point where some people might have think his career was winding down, but now he's having one of his best seasons ever. Uh, what, what do you think the reasons are for that, especially from a mechanical perspective? Well, I mean, I mean, if you look just from a mechanical perspective, you're gonna, just going to see the same guy. Um, uh, again, you know, getting back you know, to the Dodgers, maybe that kind of revived him a little bit. Uh, playing on a team now that's kind of playing for something. Um, you know, all I can say is just great things about him. His work ethic in the cage, what he's trying to do, how he's trying to approach a pitcher. I mean, he has an idea of what he's wanting to do, and he's pro. And you know what? He's uh, been a big uh, boost for, uh, for this club. Yasiel Puig, you know, we all know all the potential is there. Uh, you know, we... And, you know, we've seen some signs, but what do you think it's going to take for Yasiel to be that kind of superstar hitter that everybody's looking forward to seeing? Well, I mean, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I've made it um, apparent to him. I felt like he's an MVP-type player. Um, you know, it takes a lot of things to come together to be that type of player on a regular de- basis. And, you know, that's kind of uh, mentally being in the game, um, physically uh, working on the, uh, the right things and staying uh, consistent in what he's doing. And, you know, uh, I've seen him grow in those areas the past couple of years. So I really believe that he's going to kind of maximize that ability along along with his uh, the mental part of his game. So they have it a little bit of time right there. Uh, turn award with the King, Scott Angle. Scott, what would you take away from that? That's why coaches make the best interviews. It's just <laughs> the way they the way they break things down. It's you know they're more they're more forthcoming than the players themselves. I, sure. Did you did you get that from that interview? Yeah, you know um, yeah. I do, I, and I think that it could be a little bit more detail oriented because they have yes. to have it so well in order to turn it around and teach others. You know, but I also think what's interesting to me is how the coach uh, they even turn award even talks about the mental aspects of the game. You know, he was talking about with Muncie how like it was really you talked about some of the mechanics, but he was saying it's really a lot of just experience. You know, having been there before, having seen it before, now helps him get a little bit more comfortable there as well. Well, with Muncie, you know, when you you look back, uh, I was looking on this site called The Ringer, and mm-hmm. they, they, were, they, they had a film breakdown of how Muncie in college with the Oakland A's had much more of an upright stance. And then he started to, to – uh, when he got cut by, by the A's, uh, he started to experiment with more of a crouch, and it really – worked well with for him and helped him get the barrel on the bat more and you know when you look at his advanced stats in terms of barrels uh you know he's one of the better guys in the league right now and also for him you know to be cut by by Oakland he thought maybe he was career was over but one of the former Oakland executives gave him a call and gave him another shot and he's made the most of it and he's been a terrific fantasy pickup this year yeah, absolutely. You're trying to, uh, you know, make the most of it, especially if you see that your dream could be slipping away. You're going to dedicate yourself and do whatever you possibly can. His hard hit rate uh, is certainly benefiting. Let me tell you, you get something, Scott, though. Uh, I don't know if the Dodgers will be in the Fall Classic, but if you want to go to a 2018 World Series game, tune into the Fantasy Sports Network in a couple of weeks between July 8th and 17th. We're going to be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge. You'll get to have a shot to call in and win a chance to go to the 2018 World Series. The number to play, if you don't already know, is 844-843-6879. Contest is sponsored by DKMS, and as you know, we are doing a collaboration with them to help the fight against blood cancer. Listen, if you hit 300, that's great. 
great. You're an all-star. You'll be playing in the fall classic in a couple of weeks. But 300 is not a good enough rate for patients finding a matching donor in their families when it comes to blood cancer, okay? That's where you come in, really. You can step up and donate. You could be a hero. Not in fantasy sports, not in the fantasy world, in real life. Go on over to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS to learn more uh, about how you can win two tickets and help the fight against blood cancer. All right, Scott, yesterday we were talking about some of the rookies. We were talking about some of the rookies we were high on on different positions, why it might be harder to get it, make an impact at a uh, tight end, let's say, as a rookie vis-a-vis running back. And that kind of came to life. You have here a, um, a rookie draft that you do for kind of like a dynasty league, right? So you're only yes. drafting kind of the rookies. And I was intrigued by the way this goes down. You know, it went down with a kind of big, it started with a huge run on running backs, right? So you have Saquon Barkley, Geis goes second. But here's where I wanted to start asking you questions. We just talked about, you know, in earlier in this hour, we talked about how it's like skill but also opportunity, right? You know, you want to have a chance. Um, you know, you talk about it all the time, the committee versus the timeshare versus like the workhorse. And you're looking for guys that maybe have opportunity, a path to uh, touches and production. So with that being said, I was a little bit surprised, for example, uh, that picks, you know, five, six were Rashad Penny and Royce Freeman after guys like Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. We know about the Patriots running back room. To pick the right Patriots running back is like, you know, a game of Russian roulette. And in Cleveland, listen, Nick Chubb has Carlos Hyde, who they signed, Duke Johnson, who's certainly going to be a part of the pass game. Why do you think Chubb and Michelle were selected ahead of guys like Penny, Royce Freeman, Ronald Jones, even Carrion Johnson in Detroit? Because they were smoking something, uh, but you know, honestly, I mean, you you know the guys in this league, not me. So I don't know if that was. I'm only in the. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm only in the second year of this dynasty league. Okay, and I don't know the guys too well yet. Fair enough. Uh, the guy who picked Chubb is the commissioner, and he said this is going to surprise everyone. And then, then he picked Chubb, and okay. he actually traded up to the third spot pre-draft to do to that. Get him. So. To get him, but then he said, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that because if Chubb was going to be there, you know, where I originally traded up from, I think it was like uh, eighth or something like that. He said, mm-hmm. maybe I made the wrong move, but that, that is hindsight. Uh, I think maybe he doesn't believe in Carlos Hyde necessarily and, you know, looking at the new regime there. With Sony Michel, uh, that guy was on autodraft, but he had Sony Michel cute. And maybe he's thinking that, you know, the Patriots are – tired of, you know, going through uh, multiple running backs and want to have one running back to stabilize it because they drafted him so early. I don't think I agree with any of that. And then the guy who was at fifth got Rashard Penny. Now, look, Penny may not be a three-down back now, but eventually he will be. Right. You know, Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. He does not. And remember this when you're drafting Russell Wilson early this year. He does not want the team to look like it has been the last three years in terms of the running game and with Russell Wilson having to carry everything on by himself, scrambling around, making magical plays or getting sacked, etc. He wants to have the offensive balance that he had from 2012 to 2014 where Wilson was more free to play and the running backs were free to play that read option and Wilson could pick his spots to pick apart the defense but not put up as many great fantasy numbers. So I think not taking Penny at two was a mistake.
Yeah, fair enough. I At agree. Three. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Listen, I think listen, Geis, I makes sense to me. Chubb, I think, is in a clouded backfield. Even if he is the gets the biggest share over a guy like Carlos Hyde, there's still a lot of people there. You know, um, Tyrod Taylor also with some mobility and some potential for running yards there as well in New England with Michelle. So I like the Penny. You know, I like the Freeman. Ronald Jones, I think, has the ability to kind of more easily beat out Peyton Barber and Sims and be the lead dog in Tampa. So I like Ronald Jones. Carry on Johnson in, in a yearly league. Ronald Jones is my favorite rookie running back. Just this year, you mean? Yearly league. He has the best combination of opportunity and impact talent. Even out, even ahead of Saquon Barkley? Well, I I think we, we, we know that Saquon. Well, I don't know. You I said meant, he was meant, the I best meant, rookie running I, back. I don't know. I meant, I meant non-Saquon Barkley. Okay, fair, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Then let's talk, yeah. to, talk to us real quick about the guy you selected. Cause you I'm know what? I added everybody else. It's fair for you to edit me, you know? I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. trying to keep it. Because, listen, Scott, we are giving people the information they need to win their leagues. I don't want someone going ahead and drafting him, you know, with Barkley still on the board. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But, listen, Scott, you went uh, – you were ninth in this in this draft, and you went with Indianapolis Colts rookie Naheem Hines. Now, this kid, to me, is going to be more of the Tyreek Cohen, Elijah Maguire type, right? He's going to be good in space, shifty, maybe someone out of the backfield maybe some of the passing game. The Colts are also using him as a kick returner right now. Scott, here's what I like about that pick, and it's the rest of the competition. I don't believe in Marlon Mack. I don't believe in Robert Turbin. So unless this team goes out and, like, signs a DeMarco Murray, I think Hines is going to be very, like, you know, I think he's going to be utilized, and especially, you know, Andrew Luck has not really had a back like this out of the backfield to use when plays break down. You know they want to keep, you know, Andrew Luck healthy. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit less rushing yards out of Andrew Luck this year and him having some dump-off opportunities to a guy like Naheem Himes. Why did you like him enough to take him with your first-round pick in this rookie draft? He's a very smallish running back who's not going to be able to run outside. But there are two articles in the exclusive edge package that kind of reflect why I like this. There's zero RB, uh, zero wide receiver of a theory by Mike Leone Mm -hmm. of uh, Daily Roto in the exclusive edge draft package on rotoexperts.com. He says, if you're going to go zero RB theory... Basically, wait till later in the draft and pick some some of those pass-catching running backs. They'll get Mm -hmm. you points. Uh, You know, those theoretic types, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I kind of applied it to my drafting here because at number nine, my job is to to queue up the top nine guys and take take the top guy remaining off my board. Well, guess what? The first eight picks were running backs, and all eight of my top nine were gone. So that just left Naheem Hines, and it made it easy for me. Now, in the fourth round, I took Jordan Wilkins because I, I believe that it's going to be a timeshare between Wilkins and, and Hines. Uh, or it could be a full-blown committee also, you know, with, there with Marlon Mack. But Hines may be the best one to benefit. Mike Clay of ESPN says Jordan Wilkins is going to lead all rookie running backs in attempts, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. And Brandon Murchison of RotoExperts.com in his Dynasty Breakdown in the Exclusive Edge Package says that Naheem Hines is going to be a smaller version of Alvin Kamara. 
Interesting. If he actually turns out to do that, we would certainly love it. Remember, I was drawing the comparisons as well to Terry Cohen and to Elijah McGuire. He's that kind of back. We will see how it works out in I don't know if I want an Elijah McGuire, though, because... He really didn't pan out fantasy-wise. I didn't say the production. I said the type of back. Um, I'm I'm saying is I hope he doesn't turn out to be Elijah McGuire. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's look. You know, listen, as you said, the running backs kind of was a run at the top. Then we see a guy like Rosen, you know, Mike Gesicki, the tight end. Absolutely. You see uh, Mike Gesicki, the tight end. But in the second round, there was something of a wide receiver run. Okay, Gallup goes, Kirk goes, Anthony Miller goes, Cortland Sutton goes. My Just to be clear with you, you, that this draft did not snake like a lot of rookie drafts do not snake. Oh. Yeah. Well, that makes my question very different then. Yes. Because I was assuming that it did, and my question was going to be my about D.J. Moore. My question was going to be about D.J. Moore because it looked like if it was snaking that these guys were picking other wide receivers ahead of D.J. Moore, you know, with the exception of Calvin Ridley, who went 10 overall to the Mad Men in this draft. But, yeah, I was a little bit concerned why D.J. Moore fell in this draft, but you're telling me it's not a snake. So he was, in fact, the second wide receiver taken. Let me ask you, though, about D.J. Moore, Okay. Um, I think DJ Moore has the skill set. I think DJ Moore is a um, a threatening, dangerous, electric wide receiver. When they were drafted, I was watching. When he was drafted, I was watching. Um NFL Network, and they had Steve Smith as one of their analysts, and Steve Smith really said that they finally got a wide receiver that can do some of the things that he did for the Carolina Panthers. We talked about this a little bit yesterday um, to kind of mitigate some of Cam Newton's uh, accuracy issues. These guys were going for, like, the front court of basketball teams, you know, when it was like Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches and Greg Olson. They've sort of kind of changed it around. Tell me a little bit again about DJ Moore. Do you think he is a viable option this year? Years, Scott, or or not? Because to be quite honest, I see him. Even if he does well, I see him as the fourth or fifth option in this offense. You know about Christian McCaffrey, who in PPR formats I think could push a running back one level. You know about Funches already. Don't forget about the returning Greg Olson. You know, and to be quite honest, Cam is an option all to himself. So, so do you really think that DJ Moore has the opportunity to help fantasy owners, or is he going to be a better player for the Carolina Panthers? Might be a better player for the Panthers. I don't know if I'd describe him as electric. Uh, Smith has been pushing for a while, though, for this team to, you know, to to get playmakers. And right. Curtis Samuel tends to be more electric. DJ Moore is a guy who's going to move the chains for them, and you know, getting yardage after the catch. And I think that's important. And I think that's something that Cam Newton has been missing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's sort of a PPR asset who doesn't score a lot of touchdowns in his rookie year, but eventually. Uh, you know, this guy is going to be a very dependable possession-type wide receiver. All right, fair enough. And then as we look at the quarterbacks real quick here, Scott, you know, Rosen goes first in this draft, um, then Mayfield, then Lamar Jackson, then Sam Darnold. I want to ask about Lamar Jackson. Um, Scott, in redraft leagues for just this year, um, is Lamar Jackson viable? Uh, is he going to have a package at the beginning of the year? Do you think he'll be, he's going to be starting under center by the second half of the season? I feel like he's someone who might be great in a best ball format, Scott, because I'll tell you something. I'll bet money that there is going to be a week where he absolutely lights it up, has like a 65-yard touchdown run. Remember years ago when RG3 had that 70-yard touchdown run against the Minnesota Vikings down the left sideline and everybody, you know, he kind of announced himself. There will 
will be a week like that this year. He will make a play like that, and everybody's going to go absolutely bonkers about it. Tell me, what do you think? Lamar Jackson for this year, what? Redraft, dynasty, best ball? What do you expect out of Lamar? It's so much like the Chiefs situation last year when they brought in Pat Mahomes. Hmm. Uh, Now the pressure is on Joe Flacco, just like it's on Alex Smith. Can Joe Flacco deliver? It's really on Flacco to decide how soon that Lamar Jackson starts. And we're just going to have to wait and see. I think Jackson will start at some point. If this team starts one and three, he could be in there by the fifth game. If they're competitive with Flacco, it might not be till later in the season like it was with uh, Mahomes last year. So I think he's going to start at some point. He's worth the late-round flyer. The problem with Jackson is he reminds people of a young Michael Vick. The problem with Vick is he was such an exciting runner and he had an explosive arm. But high percentage passes and accuracy were issues. And that's also going to be on Jackson to improve. And from what I've read, it hasn't improved too much in training camp. Fair enough. You talk about it depends on how the Ravens season starts, right? You know, and kind of how they're doing, how Joe Flacco is doing. Scott, I pull up the Ravens' schedule. Four Mm -hmm. of their first six games are on the road, and they even have what I know NFL coaches look immediately to when the schedule comes out. The Ravens have a three-game road trip, back-to-back-to-back road games in there, weeks four, five, and six. They get a home game to start. Their home opener is Buffalo, right? Then Mm -hmm. they have four. Four out of five, four out of five road games. Their only home game is for Denver. Then they have home for New Orleans, home for Pittsburgh, at Carolina. That sets up to be a pretty hard first half of the schedule before their Week Ten bye. I can see the I can see the wheels coming off for Baltimore this year and Lamar Jackson getting in there. Three straight road games, four of their first six away from Baltimore. Scott, you have to be careful with schedule analysis. I always say it. Because a lot of it's based on last year. I think until we're not... I'm not talking about, about the team, four, Scott. I'm talking about yeah. three straight road games. I've heard a number yeah, but, of NFL coaches talk about that. I'm not talking about the teams. I'm talking about the experience of three straight road games. Well, it's not like Flacco's never played on the road. But let's see, look exactly who they're playing. They're playing Buffalo at home, right? They could yep. win that. They could play... At Cincinnati, there's nothing to say that they can't win that game. That's a divisional game. Divisional games are always tight. Denver at home, they can win that. At Pittsburgh, that's going to be tough. At Cleveland, who knows? Maybe they could win that. At Tennessee, that's not. I, I think until until they have New Orleans at home, you know, you're not saying you're looking at a tough run of the schedule because then you got New Orleans at Carolina and Pittsburgh before the bye. So I don't, I don't think it's a killer schedule for them necessarily. Scott, you're clearly higher on the Baltimore Ravens than I am. I'm, not high, I'm not high so on them. Let me ask not, you. That's so let me not what you. I'm saying. My... What I'm saying is, is those games can, can be close enough to where it can go either way. Fair enough, Scott. The over under on mybookie.ag. Their overall, their win loss total on mybookie.ag right now is eight. Would you yeah. take the over or the under on, on the Baltimore Ravens? Tough one. Still got a very good defense. That's why they I'm going to say the under. 
I'm going to send under. You under. Yeah, okay. I know why they so said lines, yeah. I'm just saying. So, I mean, so it's not like you're thinking that they're going to win. They're going to be playoff contenders and win a lot of games. And remember, Scott, I'm not talking about the teams. Obviously, teams move from first to worst all the time. The NFC South had a streak of like five seasons in a row where the team that was in last place finished first the next year. What I am saying is that I have heard a number of NFL coaches say the very first thing they look at is the three straight road games. Roger Goodell has come out himself and say, that they tried to minimize that 11 teams had that last year it is down to three they purposely know the stats for years and years and years that three straight road games hurt the team not only in that third road game but beyond after that teams literally demarcus smith literally lobbied against that in the offseason and the ravens are now one of only three teams left in the nfl that have three straight road games this season last thing oh we only got a minute left scott Last thing I wanted to ask you, these Denver Broncos wide receivers, um, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, people like both of them. Who do you like better? Uh, Sutton, obviously, more talent. He's drafting higher, but you're really not going to see any one thing from either one of them unless Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders get injured. But, uh, you know, Sutton, Sutton uh, some, some scouts say he was the best wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think they've been searching for a third wideout in Denver for he a dropped, while, remember? He dropped a little more than I thought he would. Yeah, that's why I'm intrigued by that. You know, they've been trying to fill that role for a while. Remember guys like Cody Latimer. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to the Roto Experts in the morning. I'm your host, Dane Martinez, speed spitting statistician. Hour two means we bring in the all-in kid, Jake Seely. Hey, Jake, how you doing this fine morning? It is the last day of school in New York City in public schools, so these kids are going to be all over the subway, acting the fool, wiling out. But it makes me think about football. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing all right. That doesn't usually make me think of football, but okay. Well, to me, it's like, you know, we turn the page to summer, you know, and it makes me feel like we're moving along. And then, you know, I'm addicted to football. So any any opportunity to use it as a thing to be like, oh, maybe there's only 100 days left until the season. Oh, let me find out what's going on with Royce Freeman, you know, stuff like that. You know, I'm just looking for any opportunity, Jake, if you want to know the truth. When does, uh, when does school get out where you are? You're down in Virginia, right? Where does school, when does school get out? Is it earlier or later because of the summer? Like two weeks ago. Really? And do they start in August? No. <laughs> they huh. just get on, they get on the 15th. They That's interesting. The, they start Labor Day and the 15th. That's interesting because I know uh, New York starts a little bit later than some other places. I talked to some people out there in California. They start earlier, but they end earlier as well. But I digress. Hey, Jake, um, at the, in the first hour, I was talking with Scott. We were talking about the um, Edelman suspension, how he was appealing it, blah, blah, blah. You know about my cynical, skeptical theory that, you know, Alex Guerrero is just ahead of the curve, right, on, um, on the new things. That's why the scientists are trying to analyze it and all. But he was uh, given an interesting insight on, you know, kind of the implications if Edelman does, in fact, you know, if the suspension is upheld and he does miss the first four games. I know we've talked about it before. I just want to confirm here for you. The guy to watch is Jordan Matthews, correct? Uh, tell me if you think if Jordan Matthews gets pushed into the slot, uh, what is some of the potential here for Jordan Matthews? And also, like, do you think a change of scenery and more notably a change of quarterback could really benefit this guy? 
No, well, it was Jordan Matthews before this even happened. It, was, yeah. it wasn't a whole lot to do with Julian Edelman. Just just increases the chance that it catches on faster. That that's really mm. all it is. Is the fact that there's going to be opportunities there. But the same thing as Tom Brady's always done is Tom Brady's not going to hone in on one person outside of Edelman anyway, right. and Edelman's not there, so he'll probably well maybe share Rob Gronkowski. Oh, yeah, Gronk, Gronkowski. I mean, that's a different thing, but, I mean, sure. whatever. The fact is, is Jordan Matthews had some value. Like, everybody overlooked the fact that he signed there and mm-hmm. forgot the excitement they had for him, which was kind of misplaced when he first got started with the Eagles and the fact that he's, you know, kind of in that, in that slot flanker role and he has some touchdown upside and this was an intriguing signing. And, but it's more about the fact that it's like Chris Hogan and Jordan Matthews were going to move up to where they needed to be in drafts. Chris Hogan was going way too late because people forgot he was a wide receiver one before he got hurt. Jordan Matthews fills a nice role for this team that people didn't even realize. And this did more than save people than anything. And that's what's kind of frustrating about it is like you were getting amazing value on Hogan and Matthews because Matthews was basically free and Hogan was going in the seventh, eighth rounds. And then Edelman gets a suspension. Everybody wakes up and realizes those two guys have value. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It helps the, you know, the, it hurts the sharps like us, let's say, and people that were maybe already on him because now with this kind of, uh, with the suspension, you know, more people are going to look, hmm, who fills that role? And we talk about it all the time, kind of the changing size of the pie versus the slices of the pie. But Jake Seeley was already on this guy, Jordan Matthews. So is the spitting statistician. It's kind of, I draw the analogy, although for different reasons, Jake, we've already talked also about Mike Williams out there with the Chargers in a similar kind of situations. Listen, they invested in Mike Williams, you know, with a first-round draft pick. This kid, you know, he basically, him and Deshaun Watson were the reasons that Alabama didn't win that national championship game in the fourth quarter there. So a lot of people were expecting, hey, maybe he does take that step forward. But now even with the Chargers saying it after the Hunter Henry injury, you know, kind of just brings other people to the party, a party that Jake and I were already dancing at. Um, For those of you who have not been listening. You know, Jake, there's a lot of people that are starting to listen now because football is getting into full swing. They're like me. They see the school kids out and they're getting ready. They're buying that exclusive edge uh, draft package over at rotoexperts.com, which is officially live. Did you celebrate, you know, over the weekend with it going live? Like, this is big, Jake. I know you were doing a lot of work on this. How did, did you celebrate? You know, did you, I don't know, uh, I don't know, throw some, throw some style guides up in the air or something? No. No? Okay. Well, I just don't know how personal of, a, of an issue this is for you, you know, with the Edge package coming on out. Jake, one of the pieces of news and notes that we saw yesterday is this idea that Royce Freeman can, quote, unquote, absolutely take the week one job. This fits into you and Mike Clay's uh, rookie news cycle, though, doesn't it? Pretty much what did I say. Talent is going to win out when you have a rookie running back that was drafted. And, I mean, what did I say from day one? And that fact that mm-hmm. Royce Freeman is going to lead this backfield. So, yep, this is what happens. It's June. People go through the turns of starting their veterans, starting their rookie, the veterans getting first touches. Veteran looks slow or whatever, and their rookie looks explosive. And then yeah, it's whatever. It's just stop listening to June's nonsense. Fair enough. It's like the stages of grief. You know what I mean? It's like that, uh, you know, acceptance is the final one. Did Are you, uh, Jake, you strike me as a guy. Are you familiar with the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, I watched like the first two or three seasons. Uh, okay, then you won't know the reference that I'll be talking about. So I will leave it for another time. Jake, you know who's in the best shape of his life? Let me tell you. 
who is in the best shape of his life specifically. In our nation's capital, Jamison Crowder is in the best shape of his life. You know, he had um, some injuries last year that he was battling. He says he feels great. He says he's building a chemistry with Alex Smith. And then Chris Thompson is saying that Jamison Crowder is, you know, beating him or hanging with him in wind sprints, something that was never the case last year. Uh, Jake, percent chance that Jameson Crowder becomes a wide re- is a wide receiver three this year for PPR settings? Uh, 99? I mean, okay. that's, what it, that's what he has been. I mean, that's not asking a whole lot for him. The fact is Jameson Crowder has Alex Smith, which the two should pair perfectly together. It's more about this team of like whether it's Richardson or Doxson on the outside. Jameson Crowder, you know, yeah, he had his issues last year, and it wasn't just health of his own. It was also quarter, inconsistent quarterback play from Kirk Cousins. It just it seemed like this team just really never had got on the same page as a unit, it just no matter what it was. And so Crowder's 100%. I mean, that's really what we're asking for. I mean, like one of these things, like I know everybody's in the best shape of their life in June, but Crowder's coming back and trying to be 100%. I mean, that's a little bit different, so I can understand it. So with Jamison Crowder being healthy and, you know, Jordan Reed too, but Jamison Crowder, that's what he's always been. He's been a wide receiver three in PPR. He should be there unless he's not 100%. That's, that's all it comes down to. Fair enough. I will spare you the trouble of hashtag checking the link for Jake Seeley. Jake Seeley has Jameson Crowder in PPR formats as his 39th wide receiver. So when you think about the top three, I think, am I correct, Jake? You assume 12 team leagues. So technically, it would be the top 36. Uh, but Jameson Crowder right there, number 39 for him in PPR scoring. I believe he's going to be a wide receiver three. I'm, in fact, keeping him in a dynasty league to serve that exact role for my squad. Hey, Jake, I got a question for you. I just heard a clip. I just heard a clip in, um, you know, in the commercials for going at the top of the hour. I heard you on The Frenzy with Matty Modica and, of course, the fantasy executive, uh, you know, Corey Parson. You guys were talking about Tyler Eifert. And, you know, you were talking about how he's so injury riddled. And I think Corey was even saying, listen, he should just retire. And you were saying, listen, he's a kind of tight end one, even if he only plays, you know, like 13 games, let's say. I mean... Talk to me about your faith in this guy. I know I tried to ask you about this when I liked Tyler. When I said Tyler Croft was kind of my diamond in the rough, and we went back and forth when it turns about like what your projections or what your rankings are actually saying. Let's just take the rankings aside and all that. When faced with it, Jake, are you going to have shares of Tyler Eifert this year? I already have shares of Tyler Eifert. Really? Because you're not paying anything to get him. You take Tyler Eifert in the 12th or 13th round, I mean, there's nothing but upside there. If he plays 10 games, you're you're making hand over fist value return of Tyler Eifert 10 games. The fact is, when you draft him there, you have to draft a second tight end. But at that point, I mean, I don't have a problem. Like, I don't want to draft two tight ends. But if I'm in that range and it's Tyler Eifert and Jack Doyle on my team, it's not that much difference than drafting, you know, Tyler Eifert or a tight end that's better than him three rounds earlier and then waving, you know, this wide receiver that you're taking in the 14th round, like the Sean Jackson that you might never use. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's fair. Remember, we saw some teams in an expert draft the other day. We were looking at a draft where a team went Delaney Walker and George Kittle back-to-back picks. I don't think you need to do that if you have Delaney Walker, but if you have Tyler Eifert, you're going to need to back it up a little bit more. I think it's kind of similar, uh, Jake. You mentioned kind of like the team that drafts Patrick Mahomes will also have kind of a second quarterback. The team that drafts Jameis Winston will need a second quarterback, things of that nature. Eifert certainly falls into that. You're going to need a 
security blanket if you go ahead and take the plunge with Tyler Eifert, correct? Mm, pretty much. Absolutely. Let's keep it moving then, Jake. We were talking about the NFC South this week, okay? We looked at, you know, we looked at another team a little bit earlier today. We talked uh, yesterday. We talked about the Atlanta Falcons. We talked about Calvin Ridley vis-a-vis Muhammad Sanu. We talked about what happens with uh, Matt Ryan. You know, we know about Julio Jones's contract situation and what that kind of potentially means for him long term. Today, we turn our attention in that division to the Carolina Panthers. Jake, I think there's a lot of interesting storylines here. My first question for you, because I think what we need to do is set the premise about, you know, when we're going to be talking about all these other guys, do you think the pie that is the Carolina Panthers offensive production, do you think the entire pie grows or shrinks this year from 2007? Do you think this offense is capable of more production this year overall? I don't think it really changes, honestly. Okay. So then if that's the case, if you think the pie is kind of the same, then then I believe my sacrifice kind of argument ha- uh, does hold true. And I got to tell you, I'm going to start right off the bat, Jake, with my Fugazi. I got Devin Funches as a Fugazi. If you believe, Jake, that the size of the pie stays the same and Greg Olson is back, you know, for games, he will obviously be a target. DJ Moore, will he help fantasy teams like right away? Maybe not, but he'll eat into uh, Funches on some level. I expect a huge step out of Christian McCaffrey personally all that, along with the pie staying as the same size, means to me Devin Funches winds up as a Fugazi. I would have him almost as like wide receiver, like in maybe 35 to 40. I only see him getting 60 catches, maybe 800 yards, maybe six touchdowns. Um, how crazy am I, Jake, that Funches regresses a little bit this year because there's other options out there for Carolina? Mm, pretty crazy because was that the pot? Because the pie doesn't have to change. The pie doesn't have Kelvin Benjamin and Ed Dixon and Russell Shepard and all the rest of those were the number three, four, and five options on this team and number two, three, and four wide receivers. So the pie doesn't have to change. There's different options on this team now. Devin Funches is still their number one wide receiver. Devin Funches isn't going to catch 1,000 yards, but he only had 800 and change and eight touchdowns last year. So 63 receptions, so you're not even going that far for saying that even that's a decrease, but that's not even going to happen because there's not the pie doesn't have to change. There's not there's the same amount of options on there are this team this team this year now that everybody's healthy. Isn't that more options, Jake? Like Greg Olson? No, was not I just an told you two, three, and four are gone. Yeah, but Jake, come on now. I mean, Greg Olson is there. D- Curtis Samuel is, was out. DJ Moore. Like you don't think these guys are more dynamic and better options than the two, three, and four of last year? Uh, did I say that? It has two, this two different things. It has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that there's over there's like 1,100 yards that are gone from last year. So they're going to – I don't care who you are. They're going to be put on the players that are there. Okay. I mean, and I, you know, I think Moore and Olsen are the ones that soak up that opportunity and even more so uh, – forget using the word more a little bit too, too much. But you do like Devin Funches then. You see Devin Funches as a, a flex wideout or a wideout three? Yeah, to say that Devin Funches is the same thing he should be with that he was last year. 
All right, fair enough. Let's go to the running back. Let's go to the running back room. Um, in essence, does C.J. Anderson become a reasonable facsimile of Jonathan Stewart, or do you expect uh, you know kind of him to even perform better in that role, or is he just this kind of early down guy, and McCaffrey's still going to be kind of the uh, the weapon out of the backfield? Do you think C.J. Anderson in 2018 is pretty much what Jonathan Stewart was for 2017? He's a better version of Jonathan Stewart at this point of their careers. They're just what they are. At this point, C.J. Anderson has more talent and ability left than what Jonathan Stewart had at this point last year. So if you look at it for that facet, he should do exactly what Jonathan Stewart did, if not a little bit more. So, you know, maybe the run game improves. But Christian McCaffrey is going to be Christian McCaffrey no matter what C.J. Anderson does. No, absolutely. You know, I'm just trying. I'm comparing him vis-a-vis Jonathan Stewart. You say he's a better skill set, but uh, let's go to then Christian McCaffrey, Jake. Because I got to tell you the truth, I expect big things out of Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if it's bold, what have you, but to me in PPR formats, he's he he could push as an RB one. You know, I can see Christian McCaffrey catching 75, 80 balls because he was okay, last I, year. <laughs> great. I'm not saying I, I said I don't know how bold. I know. It I'm is. letting you know it's not. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. I can see him as an RB1. I can see him getting 75 to 80 balls. You know, I can see him getting 650 to 700 receiving yards. My question is for you, Jake, you know. He got all those last year. Okay, great. (laughs) So here's the thing. Um, These rookies, you know, everyone is talking about like, you know, Kareem Hunt. Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette. I know you really like Dalvin Cook this year. I do as well. I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. This I think Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook will outperform, like all, maybe not Kamara, but will outperform Hunt and Fournette this year. I think people, you know, I don't, I don't. It's not like a post-hype sleeper or anything like that because he performed just fine. But are you with me that McCaffrey kind of even continues an ascension this year? I feel like he was somewhat of a forgotten man among this rookie class. Everyone talks Hunt. Everyone talks Kamara. I think people are forgetting about McCaffrey and Cook. And I actually think, especially in PPR settings, those two will be the top of the class. No, because McCaffrey's not going to get that amount of touches. They're going to keep him in his role because the fact is, his running backs at his size, it's, you can go through history and continue to look through history. They don't get those kind of touches and not get hurt. There's a reason that Chris Thompson is going to get pushed into the Theo Riddick role because the Redskins realize you don't do that to Chris Thompson because that's how you get him hurt. And Chris, Chris McCaffrey is bigger than Chris Thompson, but he's still not equipped to handle 20-plus touches per game. You don't want him to. You just That's not where he's effective anyway. But the fact is, is he's not going to get past Dalvin Cook. He's not going to get past Leonard Fournette if Leonard Fournette plays 16 games, obviously. He's not going to get past those guys because he's just not going to get the amount of touches to do. He's going to be fine in what he is. He's a borderline RB1 in PPR, or non-PPR, and he's a definitive RB1 in PPR, and that's great. That's what he can be, but he's not going to pass those guys and get to the top five or six. You don't think if I took McCaffrey in PPR formats, would you be willing to make a gentleman's wager if I take McCaffrey and you took Fournette? Yeah, I no, I'm just I'm tired of the gentleman's wagers. It's not going to happen. It's funny. It's just Jake. You make all these bold claims, and then you don't want to put your uh, you no. Don't I don't. It's not. It, that's not what I'm saying. And don't do that. I hate what when you, people. Then do what that. are you saying? What are you saying then? I'm saying I'm tired of having fifteen thousand gentlemen's bets. We don't have to bet on everything. I know, you but can listen, do, you can, how you can else do we it, hold people accountable? Write it down if you – because I get accountable to what I say every single year. Write it down if you want. I don't care. I don't know, like, 15 gentlemen's better they are going to have, like, 1,000 bets at the end of the season. Well, listen, you know, you, I just think – listen, Jake, you make you – you say how – you say on the one side that, yes – 
McCaffrey is a PPR RB1, but then you also say that he has no chance of surpassing someone like Leonard Fournette, and then I say, okay, let's uh, let's you know let's put it on paper, and you don't want to do it, you know. So I, that's not so then, what I said. Don't do that. So I told what you, are don't you? Don't do that. You don't want to. You don't want to be accountable to it. You don't want to. You don't want to do that's it. That's not what I'm saying. Stop doing that. You're really so going to tick me off. I'm not. I'm not uh, even joking right now. Oh, I'm sorry, Jake. But what is it? To, so then, I guess here's my question then. How serious then do we take the claims on the front end if we don't want to be accountable to it, if we don't want to put it on paper and reflect back I on it I didn't say I didn't want to be accountable. I'm done doing that. I'm done talking. Okay, so he doesn't. Doing so, that, I'm done. Okay, but no, I'm asking. So if it's not that you don't want to be accountable, that's clear. You've said that, Jake. What is it then? I'm not going to put words in your mouth. You just say it yourself. What is it? Even if you said it before, just say it again for me so I can be clear. You can go on over to mybookie.ag, and you can go ahead and enter the promo code FNTSY. You'll get a 50% deposit bonus on your original deposit, okay, guys? Here's what's going to happen. You can go ahead over there, and the over-under total on the Carolina Panthers is nine, okay? Jake, maybe you'll answer this one. How do you feel about the over-under on the Carolina Panthers? Would you uh, pass on this bet, or would you ride the over or the under on this one? Pass. You would just pass straight up. Okay. Um, let's keep it moving, though. The last couple of guys I want to talk about on the Carolina Panthers, we got to go to the quarterback room. We got to go to Cam Newton, okay? I've seen a wide range on Cam Newton, Jake. I think the biggest thing for me as it relates to, you know, where he's going to wind up finishing is what he does in the running game. This is a guy who's had seasons of, you know, multiple touchdowns then we hear every single year jake there's the idea that oh we want to protect cam this year we don't want him running as much this year sometimes people buy it sometimes people don't it's june i know we should take everything with a grain of salt jake that we hear at this point in time do you think the panthers are in any way shape or form going to try to protect cam newton's health this year do you think he will be running any less this year Nope, because they've tried to do it before, and it hasn't worked. Okay, fair enough. So do you, is he going to be a guy that you go ahead and invest in, or is he, you know, someone else is going to wind up grabbing him? Are you going to have shares of Cam Newton this season? Yeah, if the price is right. And what would that price be? What round, what, what round are you starting to sniff there? I was talking with the King Scott Angle in the first hour. We were talking about similar things as it related to Deshaun Watson, right? And how he could be a guy that is worth it. He could be a guy who develops into a transcendent talent. But he said that regardless, you know, he's going to go for his three wideouts, his two running backs in the first five rounds. And then he is going to start thinking about quarterback. Is like At what round, when you say if it's at the right price, where is kind of the right price if cam newton is sitting there in round six is that the right price if he's sitting there in round seven is that the right price at what point are you like huh this value may be good enough for me to get a guy like cam newton Mm, round seven seems fine for me 
Round seven seems fine for you. Jake Seeley is clearly, he's a little perturbed that I was pressing him about accountability. He's a little bit, you know, it's a little early today, but that's okay, Jake. We're going to get off and running. Last guy I want to ask you about here is at the tight end room. Okay, Greg Olson is coming back. He missed a lot of action last year. We're talking about, will he be one of the guys that soaks up some of this production? You talked about the two, three, and four guys not being there from last year. Greg Olson is obviously a big target. He's someone that Cam Newton likes. He's someone that can be a red zone target as well. Is Are you going to have shares of Greg Olson or a similar to quarterback? You know, we've talked about the top three. We've talked about Gronk and Kelsey and Ertz and how after that, you know, you can kind of skip those middle guys and then there's that mishmash down there, at, you know, like tight ends, eight, nine, ten, all the way down there. Do you feel like Greg Olson is in that middle section? And if so, are you going to hop over him? Are you going to have shares of Greg Olson? What do you expect from him in 2018? Yeah, if Greg Olson's healthy, it's, it's fine as a borderline top five tight end, but it's whether or not he's falling off the cliff at this point. So if he's in the middle of the rounds, I'll, I'll invest in him, but I'm not looking to target him. What age do you think these guys fall off the cliff? Because we talked about Delaney Walker. We talked about Delaney Walker a little bit when we talked about the Tennessee Titans. And I think they're of a similar age, but you still had confidence in the floor that Delaney Walker represents. Do you have a similar confidence in Greg Olson? Or is Greg Olson a little bit more injury riddled? Things of that nature. Vis-a-vis Delaney Walker, would you be more confident that uh, they have yet to, uh, you know, stumble over the cliff like Wild E. Coyote? No, because as, then one has nothing to do with the other. And it, it, Greg Olson's not injury prone. He got injured last year. He's actually played 16 games for the majority of his career. But he was talking about retiring. So that's got to be a concern in people's minds. Okay. And so, but I'm, I'm now saying compare this, whatever your concern is age-related. Let's take the injuries then off the table, right? But age-related, you talked about potentially falling off a cliff. Now let's compare that to also Delaney Walker, potentially falling off the cliff. Do you have similar concerns or is one, you know, safer to you than others? No, I take them independently. I didn't say falling off a cliff because of their age. I just said falling off a cliff. I, the, the one can play differently at a different age than the other one can. Why? So then why are they fall, Why is there, What's the potential about falling off the cliff? What would be the indicators thinking of that if it is not injury and it is not His age? play last year before he got hurt. Okay. So that being said, then we're not going to have shares of him if that causes some kind of concern, correct? No, I said at the right price, I would invest in him. All right. Fair enough. Hey, Jake, I got a question for you. We also are having this um, Major League Baseball face of baseball brackets going on, okay? And as you know, we're in the semifinals. Jose Altuve has a huge lead on Aaron Judge. But here's the thing. I don't know if you saw this. Chris Bavona, I think, is doing a little bit of shady business. He put up the poll, right, yesterday during the show. And then he said he forgot to tag us. So there were like 40, 50 votes then. And he then deletes the poll, puts it up again. But I told him I wanted the poll to run like multiple days because we were in the semifinals. He puts the poll up again, but only puts it up for the one day. So he was like, oh, maybe I need to put it up again, right? But at this point, we have, you know, a, a good amount of votes already there. He X's that out, deletes it, puts the poll up yet again, and now Jose Altuve has this working margin on Aaron Judge. Do you smell collusion here in any way, shape, or form? I know Bavona over there down there in the fantasy pit of misery, Dilly Dilly, is in fact a Yankees fan, but I smell some shady business down there with Bavona. How do you think this poll is going to break out? Who do you expect to see in the finals, Jake? Mm, I don't know. I told you yesterday, I thought it would be Judge after beating Chris Bryant, so I'm not really sure how people are going to vote at this point. 
Oh, Jake is certainly not having a good day. He's a little bit upset with the spitting statistician, and I understand that. That is okay. We don't want to put words in his mouth. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network, we have a couple things to do. We're going to talk about the MVP odds that came out. Listen, plenty of ways to make a little bit of extra cash on the side. I heard Jake talking about Jurassic World. We may even get a movie preview out of the all-in kid. And then here we go. We also have this rookie draft okay we were talking about it with the king scott angle jake talks about guys like nick chubb we talk about guys like darius geis we'll see where they went we'll also see if jake and the spitting statistician agree with kind of the process of this rookie draft and how to think about that in terms of dynasty we do not only give you a fish we teach you how to fish here on roto experts in the morning it is the place for fantasy excellence the roto experts exclusive edge fantasy Fantasy football draft package is also out. You need to go out and get that. You get Jake Seeley's rankings. You get the King Scott Angles rankings. You get great articles by guys like Brandon Murchison. You get stuff by Joe Galena. You even get an article by the spitting statistician Dane Martinez. So check that out right now. We are going to continue to talk about the things that are in this package. You get customizable tiers for your projections. You enter in the, you know, kind of the parameters, the scoring of your league. And you can get kind of customized cheat sheets. Great stuff there at rotoexperts.com. And as you know, we partner with dailyroto.com. Go on over to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. You can play in free fantasy, uh, DFS fantasy baseball day by day. You could potentially win tickets for two to a 2018 World Series game. We're going to be running the DKMS contest between July 8th and July 17th. You already know the number to call. It's 844 Three six eight seven nine. Jatu sabe. When we come back, we're gonna talk rookie drafts. We'll talk MVP odds, and we'll see how I can make it up to the all-in kid, Jake Seely. Maybe he'll have some more than just yes or no answers. We are on radio, and I love the all-in kid. We'll be coming back. It's Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, like G Unit in the background. We be popping them things. Come on, right back. Roto Experts in the morning. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and Jake Seeley trying to put the fun in functional sports radio. Last thing that's interesting, just if you're looking at the Carolina Panthers, I find it interesting, the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints... They play each other weeks 15 and 17 of the season. You know, they try this unbalanced schedule now to load up on division games toward the end of the season. They try to prevent against teams kind of, you know, tank, not tanking, but teams trying to manipulate themselves into specific positions in the playoffs. Remember a few years ago, I believe it was the Indianapolis Colts that decided they were going to rest their starters week 17. And, you know, kind of the uh, reply to that from the NFL and the scheduling office is this idea to really put division 
division rivals at the end. Panthers and Saints, weeks 15 and 17, they don't see each other before that. That could be a go a long way to where the NFC South is won. All right, keeping it moving here on Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Wanted to talk to you about another way to win a little bit of cash, and that is the NFL MVP Award. The odds have come out. Remember, guys, you can always go on over to mybookie.ag, whether it's betting a little bit on the World Cup, whether it's betting a little bit on these over-unders, whether it's betting a little bit on some of these futures like the MVP you could do that Aaron Rodgers is the favorite plus 700 got Brady plus 800 Wentz Russell Wilson then it dropped to guys like Big Ben Drew Brees Jared Goff you know then you got um other quarterbacks from other kind of uh contending teams Jake let's start with this you know what I realized right off the bat on this there is not a single running back in this group all the way down to say like Deshaun Watson Jimmy Garoppolo at 20 to 1 is is this now just straight up a quarterback award what will it take for a running back to win this award haven't seen that happen oh I remember like Sean Alexander did a years back maybe Priest Holmes in one of those big years Ladanian Tomlinson maybe in one of those big years but can you talk to me why is it like such a fait accompli that a quarterback wins this award because it's a quarterback league and the stats are what they're always going to be stats wise and everybody gives the quarterback all the credit for the wins and all the hate for the losses and that's what it is. it's never going to change honestly you're going to take a running back getting 3,000 yards 2,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving or 20 touchdowns like they're going to have to have some ungodly number for them to ever have a chance because it's a quarterback driven league at this point and that's what it's been for quite a while now. Yeah, fair enough. You know, the names I'm mentioning are from the last decade being able to do that. Now, Jake, similar to with baseball, though, do you also buy into the idea of like, let's define the word valuable. Do you think the MVP, because, you know, we're trying to hone in on guys that could be value to bet here. Do you think the MVP is going to have to come from a team that's like a playoff based team or could a, you know, let's say, let's say someone, you know, throws for 4,900 yards, runs for eight touchdowns, all this stuff, and has the, absolutely has the numbers, but they're on a 5-11 and 11 team. Similar to, say, like Alex Rodriguez that year with the Texas Rangers. How do you define value? Do you think it must come from a t- contending team as well? No, because it's that you don't have to define value. Value is already defined for us. The fact is, is you don't have to define MVP any further. It's not most valuable player on a playoff team. It's most valuable player, and that's the end of the award. There's no additional criteria. There's no on a team that's going to the Super Bowl, on a team that's 500 or better, on a team that's whatever. There's nothing else there. Valuable players already defined. Who's the most valuable player in the league? Who gives the most value? If you take that guy away from their team, what do they have? If the guy throws for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, and the team doesn't make the playoffs, it's not his fault. He was valuable in whatever wins that they got. He was the reason they probably take him away. They don't win any games. So I've never been one that thinks that there's no additional wording there. There's no additional criteria. There's never been that. People want to artificially put that there for whatever reason. That's fine if they want to. I'm just not going to agree with it because I don't see any reason to say that. It's the most most valuable player. 
Okay, so you think this is open to all and the idea that, you know, I'm not saying I necessarily subscribe to that theory either. I know people do out there, so that's why I'm trying to get your definition before we enter into this conversation so, you know, there's no, uh, that there's clarity going forward. So as we look at it, listen, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Tom Brady at the top, Carson Wentz, who I know you believe in, um, but is also kind of, you know, will he be back for week one is still somewhat up in the air. Then Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, do you find value? And do you think it's just a fait accompli, kind of some of these guys, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady, or do you think the value is really going down to the middle, you know, kind of the mid-tier, maybe guys like Big Ben or Jared Goff? Is it that you look for, you clearly don't look for the teams because you don't think it's about necessarily having to be on a contending team based on your definition or the actual definition, shall we say. So where do you find value in these odds, Jake, if we look at the NFL MVP? I don't because I don't waste my time betting on the MVP because it's going to be, like I said, too many people do vote on that. And then if Aaron Rodgers just plays 16 games, his number is going to be too good anyway. So it really comes down to if Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady plays 16 games, it's going to be one of those two guys anyway. It doesn't matter. All right. So would you, would you recommend to your 30-plus thousand followers to bet both of them? No. If you bet both of them, would you I'm, cover it? No. No, I don't, I don't. I told you, I don't. I don't bet on the MVPs. I don't. I don't mess around with that. All right, fair enough. I mean, you know, at a point about 48 hours ago, you texted him to me being like, yo, we could talk about this. So I was like, hey, let's talk about this. But if you don't bet on it and you don't want to talk about it, I'll give you my insight. I, I don't believe. Listen, you're right. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, these are the obvious favorites. Those teams will likely be in the playoffs. I think you're not going to get as much value. It's like when we were doing the soccer and we were talking about, like, will it be Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo? There's not value in those. So me and my boy Frank Stanfield, who's down there in the fantasy pit of misery, dilly dilly, we're thinking about guys like Lukaku, like Griezmann. Too bad we didn't have Harry Kane. But the same kind of thing, I think, fits here. Look, you look at the plus 1,600. You got the Steelers. You have the Saints. You have the Rams, you have the Vikings. Those are four teams that I believe could be potentially in the conference championship games. If that happens, their quarterbacks will likely lead them. I think in the 15 to 1 range, that could represent some value. Look at a guy like, you know, if you go between this Roethlisberger and Cousins, I think Phillip Rivers is also very, very interesting at, eight, at plus 1,800. That basically means 17, 17 or 18 to 1. If you are high on the San Diego, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers, which I know a lot lot of people in the industry are the spitting statistician included you know you know this is a team Philip Rivers chucks it all over the yard if they can avoid some if he can avoid some late game turnovers and if their kicker actually puts it through the uprights every now and then Rivers could be an interesting value in what might be a swan song you know remember talking about how like Ray Lewis had his last ride when the AFC quarterbacks Big Ben and Philip Rivers may be at that at that stage of the career as well so there could be some value in that one. Jake, we got about nine minutes left today. Here's what I want to do. I forwarded over to you kind of a uh, rookie draft that our guy, the King, Scott Angle, did. Um, We've been talking about rookies. We've been breaking down the rookies. We know that there's some that you definitely like, like, for, for example, over in Cleveland, over in Denver as well. I shared with you this rookie draft. It started with Barkley and Geis. You know, you would, you would think that makes sense. Chubb goes number three, and Sony Michelle goes number four in this draft of rookies. How do you feel in a draft of rookies taking Chubb and Michelle over guys like Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Ronald Jones, and the 
like. How do you feel about taking those guys three and four in this draft? I don't mind, Chubb. You know that. It's about the talent. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, that's fine. Like, I wouldn't do it, but that's fine with me if you want to do it. If you're looking long-term, maybe their running back situation's fine for this year and you're going on the talent situation, then okay, that makes sense. Sonny Michel, uh, uh, I'm not going to do it. I don't understand why people keep doing this with Sonny Michel. And the Patriots running backs, this was has always been. And, you know, the fact is, is at the end of the year, sure, he could be Deion Lewis, and sure, he could have RB2 value, but it's not going to mean that they're going to have frustrations from week to week. The fact is, is you're going to get some weeks where he gets left out of the equation unless Sonny Michel changes something the Patriots have always done for the entire career of Belichick. Right. You're just going to be frustrated a couple of weeks, so I don't I don't see the reason for doing so. But you know, some people just don't believe in the other running backs and just see a running back on the Patriots and the fact that they invested a first round pick and get caught up in the excitement. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you, Jake. You know, listen, it is a fool's errand to try to get ahead of the Patriots running back room. It has been for a long time. The only thing that I wonder about that I want to bounce off you is this idea. Listen, the Patriots did go out and use draft capital to get this guy. Right. And if you think about the Patriots and how they kind of piece together their running back committee, and it is a committee because it's like more than it's like three or more players, even, you know, they've always been fine with this. They've always been grabbing, you know, the Rex Burkheads, the Mike Gillisleys off off not the, per se the scrap heap. But, you know, they haven't really invested a ton of money and or draft capital in guys for the running back room. But they did go ahead and use an early pick on Sony Michelle. Do you think their level of investment is any kind of clue as to how they intend to use these running backs moving forward? Not at all, because they drafted Lawrence Maroney in the first round, and he didn't yeah. start a single game that year. Yeah, so there is still no rhyme or reason, even more, even all the more reason, Jake, like you said, to maybe not go ahead and reach for a guy like Sony Michel. Now, listen, everybody has a price. You talked about it, relatively speaking, Jake. We talked about it as it relates to the quarterbacks, Cam Newton and, and others before. We talked about it as it relates to tight ends. I mean, there is, relatively speaking, a value for everybody, but I wouldn't be high on Sony Michel. I agree with Jake, this idea of, you know, it's kind of a, uh, a mishmash merry-go-round Russian roulette with the Patriots running backs. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Jake, and we haven't really talked about these guys as much. I'm talking about rookie wide receivers over in Denver, Jake. And it's interesting to me because, listen, you have Demarius Thomas, I know. You have Manny Sanders, I know. But it seems like for years, Jake, the uh, Broncos have been looking for kind of like, who is this third kind of guy? Remember they were really high on Cody Latimer for a while. There was a time where we thought other guys were going to be able to kind of take that role and responsibility in Denver. They go ahead and they get Cortland Sutton, who some people believe was like the most talented wide receiver entering this draft. They also got Deshaun Hamilton, who I know you have talked about coming out of Penn State as having an interesting skill set for the pros here. The Denver Broncos clearly are investing in this. They're doubling down on both of these guys. Can you give me a little bit of a profile on both of these guys, Jake, and ultimately, who do you expect to maybe get the first crack at being productive for the Broncos? Yeah, the Broncos are looking to the future. The fact is, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both have two years left in their contracts and both have a little bit, a low level of dead money next year if they want to move away from either one of them. They're both over 30 years old at this point, so they're looking for their new Demarius Thomas and new Emmanuel Sanders, and that's pretty much what they're drafting here. Cortland Sutton. He's a great out, wide, wide out talent, and the fact is Deshaun Hamilton is an amazing slot talent. The fact is Hamilton might have a more immediate impact because if he's going to crack the roster or crack the starting lineup, he's going to do so out of the slot. 
where they have an opportunity. Cortland Sutton's not going to work out of the slot. So if you're looking for somebody for this year, it could actually be Hamilton for all the people that are drafting Sutton, thinking that you know he was drafted higher in the draft and he has more talent, that he's going to be the one. Well, sometimes you have to look at the situation, and he's he's got a tougher path. He needs an injury in front of him, unlike Hamilton. So if you're looking at just this year, Hamilton's the one to take a flyer on. But both of them are unlikely to make him enough of an impact in their rookie season without like I said, without Demarius Thomas or Sanders getting hurt. Yeah, barring injury, but at the same time, Jake, you know, we talk about this XYZ affair all the time, the different roles. I think it's interesting that you note that it may be Deshaun Hamilton that has more uh, opportunity kind of, or more uh, profiles as more of a slot receiver than Cortland Sutton, and that's interesting, especially in redraft leagues, if you're looking at it, for just this year. Jake, let's finishing up the show. We got Roto Clio to get to, my friend. Yesterday, we both got wins out of our starters. Neither one of us got home runs out of our bats you maintain the big old lead on me our guy j-rod had uh mike fulton who you know pitched decent five innings did not get the win as the atlanta braves kind of needed more time in order to win their game ozzy Alves went yard in extra innings do you want to go first today jake or do you want me to i have i have some picks but i'm worried you're gonna think one of them is too chalky so i have some options to uh you know pivot to if that is the case you want me to go first or you got your guys no, that's fine. You can go ahead. Sure. Uh, so at the dish today, I am – listen, it's starting to get warm. We talked about the kids out of school. We talked about the summer. It is starting to get warm down there in Texas. So I'm going to go with Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer's faced in, you know, Beban's Dirk and his fly ball percentage. I think the ball's going to start flying in Arlington. I got Hosmer to go yard today in the box. And on the bump today – Listen, my natural reaction is to go with Corey Kluber against the St. Louis Cardinals, but I know Jake is going to lambaste me on that, saying it's too chalky because we're trying to give the listeners a little bit more of what they want. So instead, I'm going to drop down a little bit, and I'll go to James Paxton against the Baltimore Orioles. So give me Paxton for the win and Hosmer to go yard. What say you, Jake? Yeah, I'm going to go against Matt Harvey again, as Mm -hmm. always, although he pitched well last time out, but... Albies is heating back up, so I'll take Albies lefty and righty at home for the home run. And then I'll go for the Red Sox uh, getting back on track, even though the, both the Red Sox and the Yankees have been kind of up and down lately. Yeah. But I'll take David Price going against John Lamb of the Angels at home. Fair enough. So the all-in kid has David Price and Ozzy Albez. I have Eric Hosmer and James Paxton. Our guy J-Rod is still trying to catch up. Jake, we need you, though, Jake, okay? We need you to keep out this lead because uh, J-Rod, if he cuts it close, he gets a free exclusive edge, you know, draft kit package. I don't know if the king, Scott Engel, wants to just be giving those up. You know what I mean? So we need you to stay focused and keep doing it big time. Hey, Jake, tomorrow we will stay in the NFC South. We have options of the Tampa Bay Bucks or the New Orleans Saints. Who would you like to talk about more tomorrow for the people? Mm, Doesn't really matter because we'll talk about the other one the day after. That is true. That's the way these things work. So I will just have to continue to make the choices, and we'll try. We'll, we'll, let's go with the Bucks tomorrow, Jake. We'll talk Tampa Bay Bucks tomorrow. We'll see what the impact is on this Jameis Winston suspension. We'll see what kind of format you like Deshaun Jackson. We'll see if Chris Godwin is really someone that you can believe in going forward this year. And we'll talk once again about another rookie running back. And will this kind of the Sealy Clay 
cycle continue to work out down there in Tampa Bay with Ronald Jones vis-a-vis, you know, Sims and Peyton Barber as well. There's even buzz that it may not even be Fitzmagic who takes over for Jameis Winston early on in the season. We'll cover all that tomorrow. Carton and Friends is up next here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll see you back here early tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 a.m., Roto Experts in the Morning, where we put the fun in functional sports radio as long as there's not dead air. There won't be tomorrow. All in, kid, and the spit and statistician. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day, fantasy players.